I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Eclipse Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and I'm joined by Blake Harris today as we preview the second round of the playoffs, Clippers versus Nuggets. Blake, how are you feeling about this series? I'm, I don't know what to think. I mean, with, with how that series went against the Jazz, I don't know if I should be excited for Denver, if I should be worried about Denver. That series was just so back and forth. Both teams look so bad and so good. Uh, I have no clue. I mean, we, we saw a few games against Denver this season, how the clubs match up against them. There's a lot of people on Twitter that love the matchup. Me personally, I was pulling for the jazz because I, I just thought that was a better matchup, but I, I guess the only way we can find out is to see what happens. So I'm just looking <laughs> forward to it. I'm looking forward to this uh, 2006 playoff rematch. Yes. I was hoping you would get to that because 2006, uh, one of my very favorite Clipper teams, truly. It's my uh, favorite to this day still. My that favorite. was the one. I think, I think my favorite team is actually Blake Griffin's rookie year, but I, I see where you're from with 2006. That was, that was a really good team. Uh, but yeah, so 2006, uh, this was when division winners were guaranteed a top three seed and the Clippers not so subtly tanked to get the Nuggets in the first round, which just, I, I loved that so much, just so they could avoid the Mavericks. Won a first round series for the first time in the LA era. We get the priceless moment of Reggie Evans sticking his hands in Chris Kamen's cookie jar. Clipper legend Reggie Evans. Clipper, Clipper legend Chris Kamen, too. And Chris Kamen, too. I have a Chris Kamen poster in my room still, the caveman. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say there are probably not a lot of Nuggets fans who are still upset about that series. Like, I think yeah. enough time has passed. Sam Cassell still a member of the Clippers, though. Right. Now, I was going to say, I mean, it's not like the, you know, the Nuggets lost in game seven heartbreak fashion where the Clippers were the better team. Mm-hmm. You know, they were the more dominant team that series. So, yeah, not a whole lot to be upset about for Nuggets fans. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's a fun trivia fact. You know, who was the fir- Clippers' first uh, playoff series victory against the good old Denver Nuggets? Yeah, I mean, certainly better than facing the Jazz, who I believe the Clippers are 0-3 against in franchise history. So, uh a little, a little more positive memory from that Joe Johnson oh, game yes. winner in game one, like four years ago. You know. <laughs> All right. So let's bring it back to 2020. We've got a Nuggets team that just came off a seven game series against the Utah Jazz. Uh, Jamal Murray was more than a little disappointed to find out that they only got one day of rest after said series until they have to play the great. Clippers. Uh, so let's dive into that first thing. Uh, Doc Rivers has said that it's kind of been hard for his team to find a rhythm the entire time they've been in the bubble because you know, so many players were not present due to coronavirus. You've got Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams having, and Patrick Beverly having to leave for uh, family matters and then coming back and having to quarantine. Everybody gets back in the bubble and then Pat gets hurt again. So they're finally like, you know, starting to get things together. Then the league takes a three-day strike. So the Clippers have played, I think, one game in the last eight days. And they're going up against a Denver team that's been playing every other day, uh, fighting for their lives. It's very much the classic rest versus rest conundrum here. Uh, and I think if Denver is going to have a chance in the series, 
you've got to take game one while you still have the momentum. Am I on the right track there? I like that you mentioned the whole rest versus rest thing because everyone always talks about like who has the advantage. Does the team that just played two nights ago that's still kind of fresh have the advantage? Or, you know, the Clippers, like you said, they've played one game in the last eight days. They haven't played since like Sunday. Who's got the edge? It'll be interesting to see, but that that clip of Murray when he found out that they had to play in like two nights, that was gold. But, I mean, this is going to be such – for, for so many reasons, again, the fact that the Nuggets, they've played so many more games, so more recently, the Clippers, they are kind of rested. I'm sure we'll talk about Patrick Beverly in a bit, whether or not he's going to be healthy or not, what the status with him is in regards to tomorrow. But yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a matchup with, with two teams that have kind of had different experiences, but like you said perfectly, the Nuggets, especially, you know, after that seven game slugfest. They need to come out with the win in game one. They need to go up 1-0 because just like that, all of a sudden, if they quickly go down you know, 0-1, I'm sure they're still going to be gassed. They're going to be tired. And depending on how the game goes, it could be a game where they're in it the entire way than a last-second shot and you know their confidence is still high. But if they come out and they get blown up by the Clippers tomorrow, uh, that's definitely going to put them in the hole uh, early on. As again, after battling back, coming back down from 3-1, using so much energy in that series. It'll be interesting to see. Maybe as the series as the series goes on, they'll be able to uh, you know get their energy back, play a little better. But, yeah, I mean, a- after that, you just based off Jamal Murray's response, I mean, these are professional athletes, and the fact that he seemed scared to play 48 hours later, it goes to show that that series took a toll on them, and we'll see how they come out tomorrow. Right, and I, I really don't think that the Nuggets are going to have a chance to ever get their win back because this isn't every other day – situation for the rest of the series like unless the NBA somehow manages to get more days off in the middle which I don't think anyone is counting on yeah uh, this is this is the pattern we're going with like for the rest of the playoffs so yeah I, I think you know I always like you know have that internal debate in my head over whether it's better to come in with a little more momentum rather than been sitting you know for a week I feel like we talk about that in football all the time too like yeah. high weeks versus you know coming into it but I really do believe the Clippers have an advantage here having had the time to, uh, you know, get their bodies back in order and generally just having a deeper team, I think, than Denver. Uh, so let's get down in those specifics because the Clippers and the Nuggets played each other three times this season. Uh, first time came in January in Denver. Paul George did not play in that game. Uh, the second time was in February uh, in Stable Center, and Clippers absolutely crushed the Nuggets. I think one of their finest wins of the season, that was during that stretch where they had their whole roster healthy and they were just laying waste to opponents. That's when that, was, they had that, that, that was a fun two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's when they had that route over Houston, you yeah. know, um, this massive win over Denver, which back when like the 2-3 seating was like just starting to be talked about because we're heading down the home stretch of the season. And it was like, no, the Clippers are clearly in a class far above the Nuggets. Uh, and then they played once in the seeding games here in Orlando, which the Clippers won. Uh, I don't take too much away from that game because, you know, like we mentioned, the Clippers had so many of their own personnel issues to deal with coming into the bubble. The Nuggets also have been hit by the coronavirus, like arguably more than any other team. I don't think Gary Harris played a game until game six of the postseason. I think so, yeah. Like we talked about how strange it was to bring Montrez Harrell back into like game action in game one of the playoffs. Their team is down three, two, and this guy has to go in and it's like, oh, guard Donovan Mitchell, please. Right. They've changed their starting lineup completely. I mean, uh, Monte Morris is in there. Tori Craig is in there. It's, I honestly, like, I, I thought I had a really good sense of who the Nuggets were coming into the bubble. And now I, I'm not entirely sure that I know what kind of team to expect. So let's, let's just start at the top. We've got Nikola Jokic versus Ibiza Zubac. This is a matchup I really like because Jokic, obviously one of the best setters in the league. Zubac, though, 
kind of loves playing against these big bruising guys, <laughs> right? Like, I think this is a good matchup yeah. for him. Uh, this was one of the things when I was trying to figure out who exactly, like, I wanted the Clippers to face. Jokic, he's, he's the overall better player. Of course. But when you're comparing him to, like, Rudy Gobert, who the Clippers would have had to potentially go up against, I think, although Jokic, I mean, the way this, this dude doesn't look like he should be able to even play the game of basketball, <laughs> let alone hit threes the way he does. He's a higher I, lift than Steven Adams will play that. I do think that this is going to be a better matchup than having to go against Gobert. And especially for Zubak. I mean, we see it's kind of like his coming out series. Um, I, Doc had some quote it was the other day where I can't remember if it was after game five or game six, where he said like Zubak is having like the playoff of his career. He's like coming out. I don't know what the exact quote was, but he was like praising him and he's mm-hmm. doing fantastic. This this will be interesting to see because I know you know early in the year Jokic he's he's kind of played you know like an MVP caliber but there were spurts during that Utah series where he just didn't look good again I don't know if it was just the bubbles getting to him maybe the amount of games they were playing but the the one thing I will say is this is definitely you know beneficial towards the Clippers having to go against him instead of having to worry about Gobert because Gobert is an absolute just. If you're in the pain against them, good luck. I mean, it's not going to end well for you. At least with Jokic, it's, you have a better chance. And I, that, this is going to be an exciting matchup. Two youngs. I mean, I don't know how young Jokic is. I mean, I want to say like 25, 26-ish. That sounds maybe about right, yeah. That. So two really young centers, and I, I think that's going to be a really fun battle between these two guys. Yeah, what was interesting is, you know, Jokic has this really great post game, um, but the Jazz kind of took him out of the paint for that I'm sorry, not the Jazz. The Nuggets decided to take him out of the paint because they wanted to keep Rudy Gobert out of the paint. So they just sort of made him a stretch five for the majority of that series. And Aside like, from that final shot to uh, essentially like nearly win the game in game seven <laughs> where it was just a thing of beauty. Yeah, I mean, I guess like Jokic is still a really good three-point shooter. You know, like that's a shot that you don't mind him taking. And I'm sure that's something Denver will consider doing against the Clippers because that's a way you can have more success against Zubac just by taking him away from the basket. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a tough matchup for Zoo. And I'm I'm really glad that Doc got practice playing him 30 minutes a game or so against the Mavericks because finally this is, this is a series where you're going to have to match him up with Jokic's minutes because Montrezl Harrell does not have the heft or the ability to defend in space against Jokic on the perimeter. Like I, I'm not going to call it another Boban matchup because Boban is just like another physical species right. uh, in the nicest way possible. I don't mean to just subject by like people down to their physical right. appearances, but uh, I do think this is a series where I want Zoo on the court as often as Jokic is and just match me Montrezl Harrell with Mason Plumlee. And that's the lineup. I think that's a matchup. I think Trez is going to win perfectly fine. Like Mason Plumlee is not strong enough to keep Trez from doing what he wants to do next to the basket. Yeah. Ho- hopefully Doc learned from the whole Trez Boban fiasco where when you get those people on Twitter that are giving you those like in-depth stats on just how <laughs> lopsided it was. Hopefully again, hopefully Doc will learn from it and mm-hmm. we don't have to, uh, to worry about that problem because I like I said I think bringing them against Plumley it's going to be a much better result than uh, what the Boban experiment was round one exactly so we've got Denver's number one star Nikola Jokic and then we have their other star Jamal Murray who may have even taken number one status after the I series was gonna that say, he I had think, against Utah I think after that series I'd have to give I'd say Denver stars Murray I mean when he signed that mega deal uh not too long ago I remember going what a waste like mm-hmm. I did he was worthy of that max he hasn't earned it just yet because you can't get it from one series but he is close I mean I was impressed from him I mean his like scoring average just for the series was like 35 something points he was remarkable and he was actually the number one reason I was scared about Denver it's just because at least with like Utah if you stop Mitchell I don't know where they're gonna be getting their points from maybe Joe Mm -hmm. Ingles goes off for 30 but Murray I mean the fact that 
he can give you 30 to 40 so easily, it seems like. But even if the Clippers can contain him, they're going to get the scoring from elsewhere. But I, I, I said Kawhi was the best player like overall in the first round in regards to the NBA playoffs. But Jamal Murray, I'd have him at number two. But I'd have him as like my most impressive just because, I mean, I, I, I've seen games, you know, whenever the Clippers play or whenever games are on ESPN, TNT, I'd be like, okay, this guy's pretty good. But having watched nearly, I think I watched six of the seven Jazz Nuggets games, mm-hmm. this guy is the real deal. Like this guy is going to be a multi-all-star in the years to come if he can keep this up. And I was just really impressed with Murray. So me personally, I'm, who knows, we'll see what the matchups look like, but I, I, I'm expecting another huge series for Murray this round. Yeah, what's interesting about Murray is he kind of succeeds in the shots that you're willing to concede for guards. Because, True. you know, Luca, he does the very traditional – I don't want to say traditional because he's he's a very unique player, but, like, he, he gets to the rim, you know, and then he, like, passes out from there or he finishes around your guys. And, like, that's the kind of real estate that you try to protect against everybody, right? Like, you're always trying to keep eyes away from the rim. But Murray, great mid-range shooter. He's shooting 50-plus percent from three-point range. Yeah. Uh, like, you have to rejigger your defense to think about, like, what it is that he specifically does well – uh, and like, honestly, I, I, quick, small guards are kind of a bugaboo for the Clippers. Um, I noticed that like Donovan Mitchell did really well against the Clippers this season. He's obviously a little bit bigger than Murray, but like not, yeah. not by much. I don't think, uh, it's just the, the type of player. I think that's an interesting, you know, matchup for the Clippers. Obviously Patrick Beverly's health plays a large factor into this. Uh, Doc said that he's definitely going to play in the series and he's pretty sure that he was going to play in game one. My instinct is that if he's not, if he's still listed as questionable, you know, going into Thursday, uh, that they probably won't start him. They'll probably keep Landry Shaman in the starting lineup and then uh, move, you know, Pat off the bench, kind of like they did when he played the first game of the seeding games and came off the bench against the Lakers. Uh, I don't love that because then you're, I guess you're starting with George on Murray, right? Paul George on Murray, keeping Kawhi and help, which I mean, yeah, that was great. Mean, you know, yeah. Paul George and Gardner, it's fine. <laughs> it's yeah. not like what I would expect to uh, but I just like that Beverly matchup on him, and I'm looking forward to seeing that as the series goes on. I, I just hope they're smart with Beverly. Uh, hearing what Doc said, to see that he was questionable, I, I was kind of taken. I thought he'd be probably listed as probable, if mm-hmm. anything. So the with fact that confidence, right? Yeah. The fact that he's listed as questionable makes me think either he does miss game one, and that's the only game he misses, or like you said, they'll keep him off or bring him off the bench, ease him in, maybe play him 15 to 20 minutes. I still think the Clippers, without Patrick Beverly, they can easily beat – I mean, easily, I mean, that's a strong word, but I think they right. can beat the Nuggets without Patrick Beverly. So I, I don't think – unless he's like 95% ready to go, I don't think it's worth rushing him back or playing him too many minutes. So if he comes out tomorrow and he's like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, I wouldn't be upset if the Clippers decided to just rest him for the entire game and then bring him back game two. Because, again, I, I think they can get past the Nuggets and – if they're able to, you know, the most important series is that Western Conference Finals. So if he plays tomorrow, great. I, I just hope, again, that they're smart. I'm sure they will be. They'll be smart about it. But that's definitely going to be something to monitor, especially, you know, if he comes off the bench. That just shows that, okay, maybe he still isn't 100%. He needs to kind of ease his way uh, back into it. Plus, as we've seen, having Shamit start the game isn't too awful of an idea. Right. And I, I'm totally with you on the Pat thing because uh, I, I agree they can beat the Nuggets without him. I don't think – they can beat the Rockets or the Lakers without him. So that's something that you have to be keeping in the back of your mind. Even if, you know, you don't like to look ahead, it's just health has to take precedent. So let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about the rest of this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. So we ended by talking about Landry Shamit, who's been really great as a starter for the Clippers in the last four games. I'm a little worried about Shamit going back to the bench, actually, because I feel like he's at his best when the action flows through him to start the game. Uh, and I think it's harder for him to find his rhythm when he comes off the bench. Understandably, you'd want to start Patrick Beverly, especially in a series where there is a prime defensive matchup at point guard. But am I overthinking this? Like, is it you know, is Shamit better with the starters? Like, what are you feeling here? I mean, it, it is tough to tell because seeing how Shamit was when he was coming off the bench compared to when he started, it was two different players. I mean, he was mm-hmm. fantastic. The first game he, he started, it was like we scored 19 points or something like that. Then the other few games didn't score as much, but he just looked overall more comfortable. He looked better. His confidence looked higher. It's an interesting thing you bring up, whether or not, you know, do you ride with that? Then do you bring Pat off the bench? I don't think it's awful because as we've seen, it, it doesn't really necessarily matter what you do. It matters with how you, you know, close things out in the fourth quarter. So if they want to start Shamit and then bring in Pat Bev with five minutes left, I really don't care. Cause I think we can all assume depending on how the game flows, Patrick Beverly is likely going to be out there when the game's in the final few minutes. So we'll worry about that then. So, I mean, if, if that's the best way, Will Doc, you know, think that and go with that route? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. But, no, I, I like what you mentioned because, again, it, it was only a few-game sample size. But Shamit, I mean, this is a guy where if you can get Shamit going, if you can get Shamit contributing as your fourth best, you know, option, maybe even your fifth best option if you want to have, you know, Morris as your third, mm-hmm. Lou Will as your fourth. So if you can get Shamit playing the way he did, you know, in that first game he came up the – or started the game, I think it was game three. Game three, yeah. Or game three. So if you can get that kind of Shamit, again, as your fifth best option, I'll take that any day of the week. So I, I don't think it's an idea that's too far-fetched. Yeah, and I, I just uh, get a little queasy thinking about, you know, those Reggie, Lou, Landry lineups. I mean oh. – <laughs> uh, <and that's, laughs> They're coming. I, I guess that's you know, more Doc wants him. <laughs> the funniest thing while we were watching this uh, Oklahoma City Houston game earlier was like during the one of the interminable timeouts at the end, someone tweeted like, "It's just enough time for Doc Rivers to sub in Reggie Jackson." <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part is he's going to sub in Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson's going to come in and take an awful three point attempt, and it's going to go in. And we're all just going to forget that he's out there in the first place. Like the amount of threes that Reggie's knocked down after an awful defensive possession is remarkable. Like I, I the understand. man keeps his head up. Keep got to keep playing. Like I don't have the numbers um, in front of me, but I feel like he's knocked down the most threes of any Clipper this playoff series. Again, maybe it just I think he's knocked down more than I think, but I feel like he has to be leading the team because it seems like every game he's having like a stretch where he knocks down three to four. Yeah, well, it does you know bring us to a question about uh, well, let's actually get into the Clippers stars right here because uh, you know there is literally no team in the NBA that has two capable wing defenders to guard Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And really what you're doing is you're hoping that you can slow one and then just 
pray that Paul George has a bad shooting night, which is kind of what Dallas was going for in their first few games. And that worked for a little while. It's not a terrible strategy. Uh, Kawhi is clearly the more consistent, productive player. And maybe you would just say, like, we'll let Kawhi do his thing and then just shut down George. Like, that might even be a more sustainable strategy. But right. the, the Nuggets have uh, – they've got Tori Gregg, who I don't think was starting. They've got um, Jeremy Grant, who I actually kind of like as a Kawhi defender. Uh, and then they have Paul Millsap who is sort of still there in Denver after all this He's time. like the most forgotten about Nuggets player. Just like the most random, like, Paul Millsap, he's still in the NBA. He's still, still a kicking player. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think this is going to be another one of those series where, yeah, Reggie Jackson, the most threes in the first round. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Reggie with 16, Marcus Morris with 14. Paul George with 14, Landry Shamit with 11, and Kawhi Leonard with 10. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, that's, there's a reason why Reggie keeps playing. You know, he's a good shooter. Uh, but yeah, again, I, getting back to that, I don't think this is going to be one of those series where, like, Kawhi really has to work for his offense. Uh, I right. could be wrong. I, I think Jeremy Grant's, like, a, a capable defender, but I also think that having too many good defenders on the floor really compromises Denver's spacing because they just don't have two-way players, right? They've got guys like Michael Porter Jr., all offense. And they've got guys like Tory Craig, who's like gacking a game-winning layup at the end of game seven, right? So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I look for Kawhi to just be continuing to be Kawhi, uh, which, you know, feels like a very obvious thing to say. But I also think that this is the kind of series where Paul George can really get going again because uh, Gary Harris, I guess, will be the guy that's on him, but he's, he's significantly smaller than Paul George. Yeah. Uh, just one of those matchups where he can just shoot over him. So I like this matchup a lot for the Clippers offensively. And I don't think that's going to be the side of the court where they have any struggles. Kawhi is going to average 30 points, seven rebounds, four assists this series. And it's just going to be consistent. It's just like, again, a matter of what happens with Paul George. And I, I think what we saw from him those last two games, I think, you know, knock on wood, that playoff P is <laughs> arrived. And I think he's going to stay for good because what happened those, that three game stretch, or even we said it was like, this is it has to break soon like you you can't go for consecutive games being this bad and I think you know after that whole thing with you know his depression his anxiety him opening up about it him you know having the confidence now because we talked about it I think after one of those one of those losses or something where his confidence was just gone where he was passing up shots and then he comes out the next two games and he's literally shooting everything he possibly can so I think Paul George is actually going to thrive in this series again Leonard, he's going to give you his consistent, his consistent stat line. But I, I think we're due for a big series from Paul George. I really do. I think he knows what's at store now. He knows that they have a chance to get to the Western Conference Finals for the first time. And for him, you know, he has a chance to shut up the haters because for whatever reason, you see it across the league. James Harden has an awful night offensively. Uh, the other day it was like Kyle Lowry has an awful night offensively. You don't hear any bad James Harden gets the haters (laughs) yeah but it's everything's on Paul George I think he wants to prove the doubters wrong and I think he's going to come out because it'll be interesting to see defensively what Denver does are they going to prioritize Kawhi or Paul George like I mean they they can literally do whatever they want against Kawhi and he's going to get his so Paul George he might actually benefit from this the most and again I I called him having a huge I predicted him being the MVP of the Dallas series didn't necessarily go that way but I'm going (laughs) to save that and maybe actually use it for this one where Paul George is actually going to be the MVP for the Denver series. Well, to be fair, I think we all said, like, obviously Kawhi is going to be the MVP, but just yeah. for some diversity. <laughs> yeah, let's go with someone else. Uh, I do think Paul George is probably pretty happy that uh, Joe Ingles is not on the other side of this matchup because he tends to annoy Paul George. I'm sure Doc Rivers is happy he doesn't have to see Joe Ingles, too. 
Doc Rivers is just having a great time watching his son in the bubble, and Austin gets to stay around. So it was for, it was Dante Cunningham, right? That Doc chose over. Uh, it was something Cunningham. I just I thought it was Jared Cunningham, or maybe it was Jared Cunningham. I can't remember which Cunningham it was, but <laughs> over Joe Ingles, let it go, Doc. Yeah. So I, the more I talk about it, I kind of feel like Denver's probably better served just putting their best guys on Paul George and letting Kawhi do what Kawhi does because he's just you know metronomic with his efficiency. Like there's no. Yeah there's no disrupting his rhythm. Like the only thing that was working against Kawhi Leonard was the fact that he individually couldn't make three pointers. That wasn't anything the defense was doing to him. That was just his jumper hasn't quite come around yet. And to think that Kawhi can get more efficient than what he was in the first round. Like this is a scary thought for the rest of the NBA. Like he convincingly looks like the best player in the league right now to me. And uh, I just, I don't see what Denver is supposed to do to stop that. Like they had a hard enough time with Donovan Mitchell and I love Donovan Mitchell. He's not anywhere near the same class as Kawhi Leonard. That stretch uh, in game six when Dallas got it back to within like six points. Right. And Kawhi just – I don't know how many points in a row he scored. But he had, he, he, had, yeah, he had the dunk, and then it was just like mid-range, mid-range, and he pretty much put the Clippers, you know, back on top. But, yeah, that stretch right there, that's what, you know, the best players, that's what MVP players do. They take over. They, you know, win the game. But, again, he does it just so casually. So it's – I'm not going to say it's, like, boring, but mm-hmm. it's just you watch it, and you can just look away for a few seconds and miss it because it's just – he just – it's Kawhi. As I said, he's just out there having fun. But like like you said, I mean it's it's so effortless and it it's remarkable. And again, I, I'll still say this: it's he's going to average his thirty-seven and five this series, and you're not going to really realize it. Like you're going to be more, you know, brought back by Paul George averaging twenty-seven points, mm-hmm. or you know, like Luol averaging eighteen, than Kawhi just casually dropping thirty a night. Right. So one uh, one little item that has been making the rounds in the news recently is that the Clippers had a chance to draft Michael Porter Jr. in the 2018 NBA draft. Uh, They elected not to. They picked Jerome Robinson, who was later shuttled to Washington as part of the Marcus Morris trade. Uh, I think it's safe to say that the Clippers did not exactly get optimum value out of that draft pick. But in their defense, uh, the medical reports on Michael Porter Jr. were rough. Yeah. Um, He did not play his entire rookie season. He did not play for much of this season. And he's basically still feeling his way out, you know, in the playoffs in the second round now against the LA Clippers. Uh, he's a player who is really interesting to me because on the one hand, I don't think he can actually like do anything defensively against the Clippers. Nope. And I think they're <laughs> going to just needlessly hunt him and it, it could get fairly ugly. Like if he comes yeah. in the bench units and Lou Williams is on the floor, he's just going to be running pick and roll with Porter's defender every like Porter's assignment every single play. Like it's, it could get, it could get bad for Porter. But on the other hand, uh, he's a big dude. Uh, He's got real offensive talent. Uh, And if the Clippers run some of these junk three guard lineups that they have been, uh, he could, he could maybe put some points on the Clippers. Am I wrong for thinking that? It's, well, I I want to touch up on just that whole thing with the, cause he like came out and said something about like the Clippers doctor was the one that had like that, harsh diagnosis on him but it first off it's a good thing that the Clippers pick with Shea turned out to be such a good one because had they struck out on that you know you could have had two top 13 picks Mm -hmm. had they both been busts who knows if the Clippers are at where they're at today because Shea was such a huge piece you know in the Paul George trade Mm -hmm. entering that draft day either either there were two players I desperately wanted the Clippers to get it was Shea and it was Porter 
And I said, I, I think Shea's going to be a stud. If he's able to slip to us, he's going to be fine, you know, develop him and whatnot. Porter's going to miss all year. That's fine. Let him heal. I mean, you're getting two lottery picks. Like, that's great enough as it is. Right. Was like, I, I think I was going to say, I think Porter was the number one pro, like recruit out of high school. Yeah, he uh, was number one in his class, I believe. Missouri, yeah. And, you know, he looked good. There was like three games he played in Missouri. Then he was out for the rest of the year. And I, I was saying, like, I'm fine with the Clippers waiting a year. And draft day, there was a report that came out that Jerry West loved Jerome Robinson. And I said, oh, no. Like, I mean, I trust Jerry because he was getting, like, Clay Thompson comparisons and Jerry took him. And Jerome Robinson was uh, a bust, to say the least. <laughs> now Porter's looking good. I mean, he, he he does have spurts where you could tell he's still a rookie, but the fact that he's kind of having his, like, coming out party this playoff series, where Porter, like, he could easily go for 30 any of these games for the Nuggets. He can easily do that. But like you said, defensively, I'm sure Kawhi and Paul George are going to have a field day with him because <laughs> I even remember, like, one knack of him coming out of college was – He's awful defensively. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a, a certified bucket. He has a really nice stroke. Like watching him shoot the ball, it, it's it's so really, effortless. Um, so it, that will be interesting to see. And a lot of people were trying to like create this narrative today that Porter has beef with the Clippers when it's he like not. it's like no, um, they're like their doctor gave this diagnosis and they didn't choose me, but I don't care. So I, I hope that no one tries to make this a big deal because it's not. But I mean. It's great seeing him develop because it does suck what he's gone through the last few years with injuries. But knowing that the Clippers took Jerome Robinson over him, and it's it's not the fact that Porter went like pick 22, 23. It was, you know, a little while after. It was the very next pick. The very next pick. It was the very next pick after Jerome Robinson, who very well might be out of the NBA in two or three years. Who knows? Maybe he'll turn it around in Washington. But, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see because I feel like for – for the Nuggets, I feel like Porter could be their X factor because, like I said, he can give them 20 to 30 points on any given night. But, you know, there were some games against the Jazz where he looked like a rookie. He looked awful. And if he looks like that against the Clippers, then all of a sudden now more of the work has to go on Murray, more, more of the work has to go on a few other options to score the ball. So it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, I'm very interested to see how, again, he looks offensively and how he performs defensively because, yeah, I, I – Paul George, Lou Will, maybe it's going to be Lou Will, or Lou Will is just going to take him one-on-one -on -one and just, you know, expose him. Book him. We'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because before the Denver-Utah series, I would have said that Denver was just the easiest matchup for the Clippers. Like, I think you and I have talked about this. Both of these teams, to me, are worse than Dallas. Yeah, I feared I, I the Mavericks more than either of them. Obviously, that changed a little bit with Kristaps Porzingis unavailable for the second half of the series. But... I don't think either of these teams is the Mavericks. And like we saw the Clippers pretty comfortably handle the Mavericks. You know, they, they could have won five of those games, right? <laughs> it was very close. I mean, yeah, it if, if Luca doesn't go, you know, Steph Curry mode, then yeah, the Clippers <laughs> win five. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't expect the Clippers to necessarily have difficulty here. It's just, uh, I do feel better about the Nuggets than I did going into this series because, you know, number one, Murray, just going full supernova and like he is one of four players to ever score 50 points twice in a playoff series. One of them obviously is Donovan Mitchell, which is just a crazy thing to think that that happened yeah. in one series. But like the other two names on that list are Michael Jordan and Al Iverson. Like that's pretty good, good company. Pretty good company. <laughs> <laughs> really and Al Iverson is doing this like back when the games end in the eighties, you know, like this is not like easy things to achieve, but I also just thought that uh, Denver kind of made adjustments better than I expected them to because I remember the playoffs last year against San Antonio against Portland I thought they were significantly more talented 
and they had to eke it out against the Spurs in seven games. And then this Portland team with, you know, without Yusuf Nurkic and just like relying on Rodney Hood to win games in quadruple yeah. overtime. Like I, I was so disappointed in the Nuggets and unable to pull that out. But this one, like they figured things out, you know, they slowed down Donovan Mitchell. They made Rudy Gobert like unimpactful. Uh, they won this like slugfest of the game where what they only score 80 points in game seven. And yeah, Jokic is like Mr. Game seven. Now he's got like double doubles three times. It's like, it's a thing for him. Uh, I just, I feel more impressed with the Nuggets than I thought I would be coming into this matchup. And that's not to say that I don't think the Clippers will handle them. Like I, I think Clippers in five is probably the safe pick here, but uh, I just, if the Nuggets like find themselves early, you know, like if they, this rust versus resting, if they find their momentum early while the Clippers are sort of still getting back into rhythm, I do think that they can pose a little more trouble than like I might've thought two weeks ago. I'm I'm just glad. I mean, well, I, I wish that they, they were normal circumstances, but the fact that the Clippers don't have to worry about going to Denver. That's, yeah. Altitude. Right. That's just one, the altitude too. They have one of the best home court advantages uh, in, in the NBA. So that's huge. So if this was, you know, like that, I think this would be a seven game series, mm. like no doubt. I mean, at least six, but I think it would go seven with that home court. Cause we've seen those playoff games in Denver. They can be nuts like Denver, Utah, Portland, Oklahoma City, like they got some of the best home court advantage, but yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see because Denver, I, I I don't know what to think of them because you know we were t- you talked about them last year in the postseason when they lost, um, they were you know that close to going to the Western Conference Finals, and you know this year there were times where they legit looked like they could be a number one seed and number two seed, and again there were times in the series against you know Utah where people forget. Utah blew that uh, massive lead they had in game one. Right. And they, they fell back. So, like, that's another game that the Nuggets could have lost. It could have been a sweep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it literally could have been a sweep. So, I, I don't know really what we can expect. Again, we talked about them potentially being gassed tomorrow. We're, we're going to see how they came out and play. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Nuggets come out and they look like an elite team. You know, everyone's clicking on all cylinders. Uh, it's it's just such such a mystery i mean i guess it would have been the same had it been the jazz i just think it's because what we saw in that game seven where i mean i i put the game on i missed the first three quarters i put it on i saw it was like 70 to 70 i thought the third quarter just started <laughs> like two minutes left and i sent like a message to the slack channel i was like what what and i watched those final few minutes and it just looked awful like both teams looked like no one had any energy so i think because of that whole game it kind of changed our mind. Like if Denver would have come out and they would have won that game by 15, I think we'd be going like, okay, this, this Denver team could pose a threat to the Clippers big time. But knowing how bad that last game was, I think it's kind of impacted us just a, a bit thinking maybe this can be a little bit easier. But again, it, it all comes down to game one. That game one's going to set the tone. If the Clippers come out, they win by 15-20, which I, I don't think they'll win by, by that much. But if the Clippers, you know, establish dominance, it could be a quick four or five game series, but if the Nuggets come out, if they either win or again, keep it close, lose at the very end, the Nuggets have confidence and they're, they're going to rest up, get, you know, a little healthier as the series, go, series goes on. And, you know, we could have again, a, a five, six, seven gamer, you know, for the series. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I'm going with Clippers in five. Uh, what do you got? 
Yeah, I'm going to go with Clippers in five just for the one reason. It should have been Clippers in five against the Mavericks. I I do agree with you. I think the Mavericks are the better team compared to the Nuggets and the Jazz. And I I think Paul George, I think playoff P is going to show up. I think the Clippers, what we saw from the Clippers those last two games, it's kind of tough to remember because it was spread out over the course of like nearly a week. Mm -hmm. It was one of the best two game stretches they've had all season. I mean, they looked fantastic those two games. I mean, they averaged – they scored, what, 155 in one, and they scored like 120-something like in the other. So that's a great Clippers team there. Hopefully getting Patrick Beverly back soon. Everyone's going to be healthy. So assuming everything goes right, yeah, I'm going to give the uh, the Clippers in five. I'll, I'll be shocked if it, if it goes to six or seven. Right, and I think we've uh, both agree that Kawhi Leonard is our series MVP, but who is our number two for this one? I'm – I'm torn between between two. I I I like Zubac. I I think he can have a big series. I think they're going to be expecting him to play a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with either Lou or Trez off the bench. I think the Clippers are going to need just a consistent huge bench performance. I mean, they got it from Lou. Kind of, it, Lou was great that series, but for whatever reason, it just feels like we weren't really talking enough about Lou. Like, wow, what a yeah, great a couple stinkers. Which, but like, not like yeah. in previous years how he's had like, I well, I think it was like Game Six last year against the Warriors where it was like he was the number one focal point talking about how bad he was. So like not compared to that, but uh, Lou or Trez, I'm going to go with off, off the bench. I I think someone's going to step up. Maybe it's like a Jermichael green Mm -hmm. that comes in. It's great. Marcus Morris played the best he's played as a member of the Clippers this series. Mm -hmm. It's forgotten about because uh, he got into little play fights with Luca. But uh, again, if, if Morris can come out, we don't need him to score 20, 30. If he can just get 12 to 16 points and he like play. I don't even think, I don't know how many times if we mentioned this at all, his defense on Luca that series was fantastic. So depending on how, who he defends this series, uh, I think Marcus Morris, he, he very well could be a uh, MVP candidate. Yeah. I'm going to make this uh, pretty boring. I think Paul George is going to be the nice. second best player here, <laughs> mostly because I think he's going to get the Murray assignment to start. And that's just going to be incredibly important for the Clippers to dictate the tone in game one. Uh, right. I also hope that Marcus Morris just does not get into any extracurriculars here because uh, he was fined 35000 today for a fracas with Luca. Um, if he gets another flagrant too, that's a suspension. And these are just not the kind of things that you want to have to be worrying about going further in the playoffs. So just keep it chill. Denver doesn't seem like a very emotional team, relatively speaking. Right. So that's what I'm looking for. Something I just want to quickly note on Morris. I remember like a, a few weeks ago when he was doing a, one of his pressers, he said that his, I think, girlfriend, wife is expecting their next kid sometime that's in right. September. So, um, you know, not, again, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you know, assuming the Clippers are able to advance to the Western Conference Finals, let's hope that, you know, Morris's next son uh, has maybe an, uh, a little early birth and he can come out during this series against the Nuggets so that way he doesn't have to worry about missing – would probably be like a week's worth a week. My family only missed two games when he yeah, went to the So I, I think two, three gone. games is probably the standard right. you're holding up. Yeah. So let's hope the Clippers can get like a 2 0 series lead and uh, then Mark. <laughs> and then his partner goes into labor. <laughs> and then he can go. So let's hope. Let's fingers crossed on that one. <laughs> that seems like a good note to end on. Uh, right. Happy birthday, Marcus, and rooting for a optimal delivery date for yes. new baby Morris. <laughs> Yes. All right. That has been our show. The Clippers take on the Nuggets Thursday, six o'clock Pacific on is it TNT? TNT? I think it's TNT. Yeah, we, we get the privilege of listening to Reggie Miller. For the first God, what a delight. Um, 
Thanks for listening to our show. Make sure you are subscribed on iTunes or Spotify and check out all of our coverage of the series on clipsnation.com and take care.